You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. You can support us on Patreon and join our Discord server at patreon.com slash wtfolklore. Hello everyone and welcome back to What the Folklore, Making Sense of Senseless Tales. I am your storyteller, Carmen. I'm your jam weaver, Tyler. I'm Gordy. Now you have a new a new title. Yeah. As because of the the Space Jam. Yes, I am out. I am the Slam Jam Weaver now. Have you seen it? I have. Uh-huh. And because do you, do you uh, have a report ready? Because my brother pays for HBO and then gave me oh. the credentials. <laughs> <laughs> he did that so that I could watch the uh the Schneider cut and now mm-hmm. I just continue to utilize it for my dark means. <laughs> Yeah. Such as Space Jam 2. Uh, I watched it because I found out that a professor, one of my animation professors, worked on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, and the animation is good. That's about it. <laughs> not not much to speak of other than that. It is a confusing film. Much more so than the original, if you can believe that. It's been a long time since I've seen the original. And mostly I've only seen praise of the original uh, mm-hmm. in the interim years. Well, how is this one different? You would imagine that with that as a foundation, um, setting up the stakes of the movie would be much less difficult the second time around. Yeah. But boy, do they go out of their way to just make it not... So the thing is, after watching it, I'm not certain that Space Jam 1 occurred in this continuity. That these might be like a different universe situation? Yeah. Or just different incarnations of the looney tunes so the characterization and everything was not consistent either in the original as we have mentioned many many times on this very podcast michael jordan travels to looney tunes land via the center of the earth right you remember that much sure i do now yes uh space jam 2 is basically digimon okay Mm. where Mm -hmm. lebron james and his son are warped into a computer which is the serververse of Warner Brothers' numerous properties that they own. So they they kind of pull a Ralph breaks the internet. Yeah. Situation there. And a Ready Player One all at once. Wow, that's a lot of things to smash together. It is indeed. I was so baffled by this choice because they make vague allusions to a Space Jam having happened before. Like, Bugs Bunny hears that he needs to help LeBron James play in a basketball game, and he says, that sounds familiar. Yes. But they never, they never like, think back on that time in a way to suggest that uh, they remember doing it or that that past knowledge would be helpful this time around. It's extremely In playing weird. basketball. So maybe it's like a deja vu thing for them. Like, some alternate version of them did this thing and yeah it's it's just that weird feeling of of, i've been here before it made me very uncomfortable when we got to reintroducing lola bunny because i really hoped that she would remember space jam because it was the day she was born (laughs) 
<laughs> was it? She did not exist prior to space jamming. She was invented for the film Space Jam. Yeah. Okay. So not within her personal yeah. canon, just in, within the... She was not an extant character prior to Space Jam. <laughs> and then they it were does... like, we need we need some sex appeal in this basketball movie. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the kids it. want a bunny they can fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a ladybugs and short shorts call it a day. <laughs> uh, even stranger, the monsters are also present as a cameo. <laughs> it's, do, it's, do they seems very like Ready Player One. Yes, that is the closest comparison I could make. Which is strange because it's a sequel to a movie. You can't even compare <laughs> it to the movie it's a sequel to. Yeah, Did they learn nothing from the Airbud franchise for how to make a quirky sports movie last for for multiple films. Also, it's very strange because it appears that Warner Brothers is pointing to themselves as the villains. I think mm-hmm. rightly so, but it's weird to see them uh, <laughs> reflecting in that way. Well, I guess yeah. they've, they've learned from Disney that like ironic brand self-awareness is something that jives with audiences while the audiences still support and pay that brand. How are they casting themselves as the villains? So the villain of the movie, the one who sets up this basketball contest, is Don Cheadle, who is an evil algorithm inside Warner Brothers' server. Okay, yes, this is coming back to me. His name is Algie Rhythm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, it, could, it couldn't have been <laughs> Al Gore Rhythm. No, I guess not. Well, and they, because I, I Maybe that's what the G it. stands for. I would go see it if Al Gore was in the movie. <laughs> so, I was talking to Jerry when we were watching it. Yes. Uh, and she, she pointed out that uh, it probably would have made more sense if the plot of the film was that an algorithm told them to make a Space Jam sequel. Right? Uh, because yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. Instead, the, the algorithm is just jealous of how popular LeBron James is. Mm-hmm. And so he sucks him into a computer to have this basketball contest to determine whether or not LeBron James will live in the computer forever. Mm-hmm. So um, he just wants to own LeBron James? Yes. Like his property? And that's, Yeah, and his brand. It's such a very specific kind of popular that LeBron James has. <laughs> I, I went, like, looking at the entire spectrum of human existence i don't think he's the person that gets talked about the most (laughs) also i almost forgot this aspect of it because it is brought up and then immediately dropped and never addressed again but it was the most (laughs) insane part um the way that they get lebron james to warner brothers in the first place for this ai to kidnap him uh, which is just the people at warner brothers don't know that this is happening they don't know that their ai is self-aware the AI just kind of takes advantage of LeBron James being present to enact this plan. But the reason that LeBron James was brought to Warner Brothers is for a meeting where they are suggesting to him new technology where they can scan him into the computer and then put him into movies without him having to act in them. Like, just digitally insert LeBron James into other movies. Mm-hmm. And he declines them because he's too busy and wants to focus on basketball. Mm-hmm. which is literally the thing that they're suggesting to circumvent. <laughs> like, you don't have to do anything. You just have to let us scan you and we'll do the rest. 
Seems... And he says, no, I'm too busy. <laughs> Does he get royalties from this? One would assume. He's present with if... his agent. I don't know if, like, uh, oh, in the movie? Yes. Oh. I mean, I guess it's like, this one is thing a business is... meeting. <laughs> Could they not have, have just said, like, no, no, you're not actually doing anything, so we're not going to pay you anything? <laughs> I, I guess it'd feel weird if it was all a fight just about royalties mm-hmm. that might that might not be a, a satisfying like central conflict but neither like but neither happens. does i'm too busy to like hang out for a couple hours you're already at the meeting you're there how much longer could it take how much time can you physically play basketball because like bodies have limits right you can't... Uh, it is suggested in the film that he plays it constantly <laughs> and is upset that his children don't yeah, that's, that's always a very um, sympathetic character trait. Because his youngest son is designing a video game, and he wants to go to the E3 summer camp, which I guess is a thing. It is now. It wasn't um, before. But LeBron James wants him to learn how to play basketball because he has real talent out on the court and doesn't want him wasting time on all this video game stuff. Uh-huh. That's maybe a new one. Yeah. <laughs> it, feels, it feels like a, I mean I guess much like the original it feels very like very 90s sensibilities mm-hmm. don't don't go into computer science play a basketball professionally that's a much safer <laughs> career option if you commit yourself to it 24 7 it has to be yeah I mean, if, your, if you your are your LeBron James only grow stronger <laughs> if you are LeBron James's child I feel like there are probably some basketball opportunities for you. Uh, also, allow me to spoil the end of Space Jam 2. Yep. Uh, real briefly. So this, the AI that is doing this basketball contest... Yes. ...bases it around LeBron James's son's game that he was developing, which is basically like NBA Jam. Okay. Which is like a, a cartoony, arcadey, power-ups and all that kind of stuff, but still basketball. Uh-huh. So it's it's basketball, but it's not the kind of basketball that LeBron James likes because it has all this weird, goofy stuff added to it. And he points that out. Uh-huh. He says, this is not real basketball. So I guess the, the moral of the movie is that LeBron James needs to remember how to have fun because they point that out a number of times. LeBron James, who plays a game yes. for a career. So that's even better is at one point he says, this is not a game. It is a game. It is a basketball game, sir. <laughs> that is all that it is. There's nothing any more serious than that. Like, even video game development tells, you know, stories. Yeah. That, like, can make commentary on stuff. All that basketball is is a game. 100% all that it is. Only game. Anywho, as, a, like, a nice gesture to his father, uh, his son incorporated one of LeBron James's special maneuvers on the court into the game as like a move that characters can do. Unfortunately, a glitch happens where it causes the game to crash. Uh-huh. So they remember this at the end of the movie and they realize that this is how they can win is by doing this glitch move to crash the AI basically. Uh-huh. Kill all of them. Uh, so that's the thing is they realize, well, whoever does this glitch move is going to get erased. And LeBron James says, let me do it. I'm not a computer man. I'm a human being. <laughs> but Bugs Bunny says, no, I will do it. 
Because I have to sacrifice myself. Because uh-huh. I am. Yeah. So Bugs Bunny dies at the end of this movie. So are they are they writing Bugs Bunny out of all future properties? Like, is that the end of that character? Uh, even when everything goes back to normal, he is still glitching out, and then he turns into a star that shoots up into the sky, and mm-hmm. we we cut away, and we find ourselves back in reality, where LeBron James is taking his son to E three camp. Because he's learned to have fun. Mm-hmm. He's dropping him off. And then Bugs Bunny is there in the real world. And he says that he brought all of his friends with him. And then we see the Looney Tunes uh, engaging in ver- various sports throughout the credits with other famous sports players. So I don't know how they exited the computer. <laughs> so Bu- Bugs Bunny has, has ascended like a god. Yes. Like I said, he is a Digimon now. Mm-hmm. Right. As are all the Looney Tunes, apparently. I and mean, they can do... just exit and enter computers at will. We do know apotheosis is a vital step of the whole <laughs> hero's journey situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've ever seen apotheosis taken to... Uh, character now has the godlike abilities to play sports ball games with all of his cartoon friends and real, real-ass sports ball people. So that is a unique take on the deification of our heroes. So I will say, unlike the original film, I did leave this one questioning what even was real. Like in your your current reality too, I imagine. Sure. I I guess I appreciate Warner Brothers like diving into that as a theme. <laughs> it's a very like post-COVID sort of theme to explore, I feel. Like very apropos to current times like what is real what is time what is meaning uh anyway i think that everybody should watch it great uh i'm gonna tell you a story now uh why what are we doing uh, it's a folk it's a folklore story did you watch Uh, i watched a folklore (laughs) on a on a computer screen and then i took notes and i'm gonna make you happen now with Uh oh (laughs) Um, so it's I guess we can, our bit, our gambit for this show can be deciding whether this folktale in particular makes more or less sense than the Space Jam 2 uh, plot. And by sense, we mean like internally. Yes. Because that's where Space Jam 2 struggles. Right. Because even as weird as the original one is, and even as like obvious of a commercial the first one is, this second one doesn't even follow its own internal logic. Perfect. Love that. Love that in storytelling. <laughs> um, well, we might have some problems with uh, internal logic in this upcoming tale, too. Great. So that'll, that'll be like oddly thematic. It's fun when that happens. Uh, so today we're going to be reading Ilya and Nightingale the Robber. Where is this from? This is a Russian tale suggested to us by Kid Chaos on Discord. Thank you, I'm Kid I'm already Chaos. terrified. Yep. Um, source this one from artrus.ca. Uh, Is it the cold weather that makes Russia so um, detached from reality in their storytelling? I do feel pretty detached when I'm chilly. It it could Um, well be. It's hard to keep a grasp on what's happening when you're so cold. And since I I run cold and I'm currently like wrapped up in a snuggie, it's in Georgia in the summer. Yeah, I'm very frequently detached from reality. So (laughs) I think I think you're onto something there. Uh, So the art roost. Uh, version of the story had it split up um, from like half of the page was like the original poem 
essentially mm-hmm. that it was created it was translated and then the other half is like a summarized story version of it and so both of them had details that the others did not so I slammed them together into the most fun <laughs> version that I could think of um, picking oh a crossover like Space yeah. Jam 2 exactly see there's there's a lot of very powerful thematic uh, <laughs> elements to this particular episode it's like we planned it but it's we like we didn't. did <laughs> we didn't even talk to each other before putting this one together all right so uh kid chaos gave us a couple clarifications on this tale to help mm-hmm. orient us before we begin thank god um so Ilya muromets is the main character of this story and he's a bogater uh, a bogatir, which I'm probably pronouncing incorrectly, is a Russian folk hero, or according to Wikipedia, an epic knight uh, from Russian tales. Uh, and it's from the bylines, or bylina, which are Russian folk poems, which is what half of that thing was. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they say dragon in here, they don't mean a literal dragon, although we can, of course, crime that up, because that's our prerogative. Um, but Kid Chaos thinks it's like an honorific, kind of like Vladimir Dracul, as opposed mm. to uh, this is a lizard spits fire. However, we have a lot of freedom in our <laughs> interpretations, because the FBI doesn't know where we are anymore. <laughs> the dragon FBI. The dragon FBI. We have we have skirted their, their a surveillance. Lot of- a lot of people don't know that Joey Biden uh, created a second FBI that is just for um, kind of literature-based activities. Mr. Biden does really like uh, Jasper Ford's work and wanted to make the departments of the air affair real. So mm-hmm. that was where he started. He ran on that platform. He did. That's why I voted for That's him. That's why. I-, <laughs> I, too, am a Jasper Ford fan. <laughs> Um, Carbon is a single issue voter. <laughs> make, make more books things real. like book. <laughs> um, I want to talk to book. But the idea that dragon is more of an honorific title also retroactively makes our interpretation of that one story with the, the dragon and the horse and <laughs> the 12 women trapped as a, a bony story more believable. Yeah. So we are correct in all things, and no one should ever question us. Yeah. I think is is the moral of this part of the story. All right. Uh, You two ready? Yes. Ilya and Nightingale the Robber. In the Church of Miram, a daring and stout good youth named Ilya repeated an oath to renounce violence until his arrival in Kiev and hastened onward from the city. Just jumping right in. I think this yeah, is Yeah, hit prob- the ground running. I, I am given the impression that this is a story within like a series of stories, and we are missing the first bits, so that will make this yeah. even more fun. Uh, halfway to his destination of Kiev, uh, his steed stopped very suddenly and made a hole in the ground with its hoof, and water bubbled up from the hole. So the horse is a diviner. When you say stopped suddenly, is that like 60 to zero? Just on a dime? Yeah, I think it made like the screeching noise that cars do. Uh, This is very Looney Tunes already. I'm feeling very comfortable here. (laughs) It burned some rubber. Uh, Ilya almost went over, but he's such a stout and good hero that he stayed seated on the horse. There was a boing sound effect. Mm -hmm. 
There were a lot of sound effects, in fact. Like, they, <laughs> they let the sound effects guys just go nuts on this sequence. You also had the, like, pots and pans falling out of the closet effect. It didn't belong anywhere, and it wasn't clear what it was attached to, but it did happen. Uh, so after the horse, like, stomps a spring into the, the road, Ilya cuts a cross from an oak tree that's beside the road, plants the cross next to the hole, and carves into it, Ilya Muromet, son of a peasant and bogatir of Holy Russia, passed this way. So, basically, Ilya was here. For a good time call. Yeah. Gotta take a lot of time out of your journey to carve a cross out of an oak tree <laughs> and then write your name in it. How often does Ilya do work. this? on the way um it's just this one time at about the halfway point all right and just for your knowledge dear reader uh later a chapel was built on this very same spot animals would come and fortify themselves with water from the well the horse kicked up and they just stops yeah they spotted a cross and they're like well it's already here yeah seems as good a place as any let's build a house around it i guess uh, and this stops mattering immediately. It says, no payoff. Just a cool fun fact. Yep, just a little side quest. Uh, Ilya Stallion reached uh, Chernogov in three leaps. Now, what Damn. I, I don't have a lot of uh, distance knowledge here with from the, like, where Muram is versus Chernogov. It's possible that maybe it is exactly three horse leaps from the halfway point to Kiev. Or this is an impressive feat. Unclear. Uh, I mean, most video games only have a double jump. So either way you strike it, this is an impressive horse. It's a good horse. It can make wells and triple jump. Triple jump is like usually like a late unlock ability for a lot of games. If at all. That might just be debug. Does Yoshi have triple jump? Hell no. Mm, This horse is better than Yoshi. Yoshi just flutters. You can get it in Ori (laughs) after like a while, though. Yeah. That's for those late game secrets. Mm-hmm. So Ilya's writing a late game Ori Stallion. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Cool. This horse has seen 90% of the map already. <laughs> the fog of war is very limited for him. <laughs> uh, and Chernogov, they found three czars besieging the city. Ilya was really indignant about this. This is just not done. You don't just besiege a city. Ugh, so so gauche. Um, he did have uh, that... I assume that this means that there are armies present. I Yeah, I believe in the poem part it does talk a little bit about a lot of armies. It would be much, much funnier if it was just three angry kings. Just just wailing <laughs> on the walls. With like, mad, mad bats. <laughs> Give it me. I learned this existed. And crowns. I learned that this city was real and I want it. It's all that makes a king. <laughs> In olden times, you just gotta have a bat to <laughs> suppress the people around you. <laughs> to yeah, maintain dominance. Um, so Ilya's indignant about this, but he did have that whole non-violent oath that we opened this thing on that he needed to uphold. So he, he's gotta solve this without violence. So he doesn't resort to armed violence. Instead, he tears a giant oak tree from the ground, bigger than the little oak that he carved the cross from. And with this tree, and also his horse trampling on everything, he defeated the three armies of the Tsars. Nonviolently. Mm-hmm. Through the power of suggestion. And unarmed. 
because it, it's it doesn't count as armed if you haven't carved the tree into a lance first. <laughs> like if it's a raw tree, it's not armed yet. That's the loophole. Also, you can't you can't blame him if his horse just stomps on things. He's he not in command of this beast. Yeah, he didn't do the violence. His horse did. He doesn't have a triple jump. The horse does. And the tree did the violence because it too is a living creature and therefore responsible for its own actions as it's being swung by this man. This is making a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. This is how you get around these oaths. So take notes. Trees don't kill people. Wait, yes, they do. Because they're alive. <laughs> they they should also. There's, if there's anything that... Like, they can and should. Like, if there's anything on this earth that can kill that I think I would just like sort of unequivocally endorse it's trees like if trees need to kill then please do it why are you so big on tree murder wait what what do you why do you think the trees are the the one living organism that need to kill oh uh, I, I mean do they need to kill or should kill uh self-defense yeah there's just the blatant disrespect we're t- we're cu- we're cutting down an, an awful lot of them <laughs> that's fair it's also very Tolkien of you. Um, yeah, it's I no mean, surprise how often in stories it is fantasized about trees murdering or attacking or just moving. I mean, if they if they started if they started fighting back, uh, maybe we could make some changes, or or we just napalm them, probably. Probably. So we know what we did. So subconsciously, as a collective, we're like, ugh. They they do want to <laughs> seek revenge. We crave to be whomped. Yeah, we get we get, we get whomped. We get entered. We get the happeninged. <laughs> we know Evil what dead, we deserve. Snow White, any number of mystical grabby trees. Yeah, trees are real handsy. <laughs> In media, <laughs> they're they're the handsiest fantasy creature. all right so he didn't have a dungeon handy uh because he i guess doesn't travel with one uh so he did have to release the czars after defeating them with an oak tree and i guess they ran tails tucked between their legs because we never hear about them again he goes to the cathedral in the city and that's where all the inhabitants were hanging out and just kind of waiting to die Uh, that's maybe the cruelest punishment royalty can face is being let go (laughs) because then they will get lost and never heard from again oh that's true yeah they're out of their playpen and they didn't get the thing that they wanted that encouraged them to leave the playpen so there's a very good reason why we never hear about them again in this story (laughs) (laughs) they got lost through a temper tantrum and died uh, so Ilya explains to all the inhabitants of the city who are huddled in a cathedral waiting to die that they're free now and they don't have to die. Hooray! Um, this so is great very, news. Yeah, they're very grateful to him and they want him to rule the city. And he refuses this twice, saying, no, nah, nah, dudes, I am not a ruler. I don't, I don't want to hang out in your stink town. Uh, I have <laughs> business to do, actually. Like, I just stopped and wiped out some armies for funsies. I need to go get to Kiev to serve uh, King Vladimir. Why did he stop? I was, I was, he was indignant. Just wanted some exercise? He was indignant, Tyler. About what, though? These czars just kind of like kicking this wall. <laughs> but he doesn't care about this town. 
I mean, he doesn't want to live there. He just wants it to exist. Yeah, it's like and you guys be are autonomous. Free. Yeah, you guys are free. Don't give me responsibilities as a reward. I already did the thing. <clears throat> Bye. <laughs> uh, he also refused their gold. Don't they need it. to pay him. Yeah, he's like, nah, not nah, Horse has it. triple jump. I'll find it when I need it. <laughs> uh, so the villagers or city people told him that the shortest road to Kiev had been blocked for 30 years and has grass growing between the stones now. That's how long it's been since anyone's bothered to take care of it or walk over there. Uh, and there are three obstacles making the road impassable. The first obstacle is the Brinsky Marshes, which suck in every passerby. The second obstacle is Nightingale the Robber, also known as Solovey the Brigand, who had been laying in wait by the Levendov Cross on the uh, Smaradina, which is some kind of current shrub, like shrub that makes currants the food, uh, for 30 years. This robber's been hanging out, lying in wait. On Seems this path. like not a threat. Um, and and just, during just hanging out. Yeah, he's just lying in wait. Lying in wait or loitering. <laughs> yeah, it seems difference? like he's more a loiterer than a robber. He hypocritically whistles like a nightingale in an intolerable manner. Because he's not. I guess he's not. No, his, he's just called Nightingale because he hypocritically whistles like one. I don't know how you hypocritically whistle like a, <laughs> a bird. I mean, we had a hypocritical whistler in our in our class this past summer camp week where she would make a lot of noise and whistle, but then get really mad if anyone else hummed. So I guess maybe that's what's happening here. He's just that, that person he, as a robber. He, he birdsplains. Yeah. And then, he whistles, and, but then if the birds start acting up, he gets real indignant about it. <laughs> in an intolerable manner. Which I could also understand after this past week. <laughs> Last, mm-hmm. by the seven old oaks, was the dragons. Uh, which, in this particular case, means Nightingale the Robbers. Impassable house. Uh, not clear on why it's impassable, but it does have his wife, his three large daughters, and his six small sons in it. Who, who are all dragons. Everyone's a dragon. Um, do they know why he's waiting? Do they mention that? They don't. It's just this is what he does. Does anyone know? He just like hangs out there for thirty making, years. Yeah, making this impassable for anyone who makes it past the uh, Brinsky Marshes, which seems to be none because it sucks in every passerby. Uh, this was not at all discouraging to Ilya, who's just like peace and goes on his way. He gets to the Brinsky Marshes, and he very quickly builds a bridge over the swamp by tearing up more oak trees, because he has some sort of oak tree vendetta. Like, this man goes through a lot of trees. <laughs> Carmen, not moments ago you asked why trees should kill people. Well, that was just me hypocritically whistling. I feel as though we are very quickly learning exactly why it is this one person responsible for so many tree deaths. Well, after he wholesale murders more oak trees specifically, and I, I don't know why oaks only. The other trees are just like, phew, thank goodness he does not go for beaches or pines. But he makes it to the Cherry floor. tree's good over here, bro. Yeah. Well, cherry tree has a patron saint who protects it. Uh, so he makes yeah, it to it the... Seems like a, a very bad idea to pick cherries against the cherry tree's will. Or yeah. attack them or whatever. Yeah, you don't chop down a cherry tree. You're going to get disappeared at night. George Washington invited some kind of curse <laughs> upon this nation when he did that, and then lied about it. 
No, he didn't lie about it. Yeah, he was honest. What's the story? About it. Yeah, he 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 wasn't supposed to, but he did it anyway. He Still, he though, knew. Yeah. He left he left the cursed part out. All right, so he makes it to the Smorodina, which sprang out of nowhere. Uh, and this is where the, the Levinadov cross stood. And this is also where all of King Vladimir's bogatiers had once sworn to be brothers in spirit. So they all, like, shown up here and made a swear on this cross. Uh, presumably before this nightingale person intolerably whistled around it. So as he reaches it, a voice screeches, Who's the bold person who dares ride past my nest? Because apparently... The Nightingale has a nest, because apparently the Nightingale is a full-ass Batman villain. Just really trying to cosplay as a bird. Yeah, like he's leaning full-on into uh, into this persona, this bird-sona of his. Yes, yeah. Uh, so the villain robber starts whistling like a Nightingale and screaming like a wild animal. Um, hypocritically. So, yeah, very hypocritically. Maybe it's the wild animal screams that are the hypocrite part. Like, <laughs> Like he's, you gotta pick one. Right? Are you a bird or are you a man, or are you an animal? Which one? You can't be all. Uh, and all of the grasses and meadows became entangled. The azure flowers lost their petals. I guess all the other color flowers are fine. Uh, and the dark <laughs> cherry woods... tree's good over here, bro. Yeah, cherry tree's fine. Uh, the dark woods bent down to the earth. Ilya stopped up his ears with poppies so he couldn't hear the roaring slash hissing slash whistling of Solovey the bandit, also mm-hmm. known as the Nightingale. So unlike all of the other bogatiers that tried to fight the Nightingale, he didn't fall down dead. He's so much better than them all. Uh, instead, he urged his frightened horse onward by whipping it in its strong ribs and telling it, You food for wolves and bag of grass! Which is a good, good <laughs> bag insult. of grass is a pretty good horse insult. Yeah. Uh, don't you want to walk or can't you carry me? Dog, what are you stumbling against some roots is that, for? Is that like calling someone a bag of hot dogs? <laughs> I guess. For eating many hot dogs. Yeah. Or just something else they eat a lot of. That's, that's also a good insult. If you called Joey Chestnut a bag of hot dogs, he would cry. He, it's, just, it's too close to home. I mean, there there are days where he is indeed that, though. I mean, that's what he says to himself in the mirror when he's having a real bad day. Mm-hmm. You, you useless bag of hot dogs. <laughs> Look at you, you You, you award-winning bag yeah. of hot dogs. <laughs> uh, what are you stumbling against some roots for? You've heard birds and animals before, idiot, and you've felt my blows. So he pushes the horse onward with a lot of insults. Uh, Solovey got curious about this, quote, miracle of endurance, end quote. And he leaned too far out of his Batman villain nest. Which is to say, not listening to him. Right. Uh, So Ilya, in the moment that Solovey leans out of his nest, forgets his promise of peace. And shoots an arrow straight into the dragon's right eye, causing Sullivan to fall out of the nest. Yeah. Yeah, like... You <laughs> convenient don't need time to, keep, to forget such a thing. You don't need to keep your promises if the story needs to move forward, right? Yeah. Like, we don't need to maintain that particular thread. Listen, if I'm <laughs> honest, if he hadn't mentioned it, I would have forgot that he made one in the first place. So the hero caught Solovey, tied him upside down on his horse, and moved on to the Nightingale's house. 
Uh, the house is seven versed. What is? Hold on. What is? What does that look like? Where is uh, this man positioned on a horse that he's upside down? I think on the belly. And his legs sticking up in there. Yeah, I guess he's like tied to the belly. Very weird. I hadn't thought about him like being a reverse rider on the belly of the horse, but that is a lot funnier than what I think was intended, which is just him like strapped to the bottom of the horse. It's like <laughs> this horse is now an Escher drawing. Yes. <laughs> with, with a knight riding like normal and whatever this dragon nightingale uh, he's later referred to as a giant at some point. So Giant dragon nightingale robber. Yeah. Who makes noises like wild animals and is very hypocritical. Also also mounted but on the belly. I'm facing Dead, the butt. I assume? Nah, he's fine. Just is the arrow still in his eye? And is uh, his head dragging on the ground now? First off, they didn't clarify, so yes. <laughs> uh, yes, the arrow's still in his eye. And sure. So every once in a while, the arrow just like catches a pebble on the ground and yanks his head back. Yeah, it's, it's a very unpleasant ride. It's like it's for like, a lot of reasons. It's like a baseball card in your bike spike uh, spokes. <laughs> Make, making the cool noise like you're on a motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, so he gets to his house, and the house is seven first long, which is about 7.7 kilometers in uh, length. And built on seven oak trees, because I guess he's still kind of leaning into the whole bird nest situation. So he's just got this rad tree house. On every spike of the railing was a, was the hewn-off head of a knight, very Vladley Impaler style. Mm-hmm. Solovey's wife, his three large daughters, and his six small sons saw them approach, and the kids thought, yay, daddy's home with another victim. Uh, but his mom's eyes, or the mom's eyes, see a little bit more clearly, and she's like, "Ah, shit." So to save they're, her, they're looking through binoculars, and then she takes them and then flips them upside down and realizes <laughs> they were using them wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he's on bottom of the horse. <laughs> shit. Because that is how binoculars work. If you <laughs> if you hold binoculars upside down, so is the world. The, so the, yeah, the world gets flipped. Um. So to save her husband, she sends the three large daughters to distract the peasant, uh, but in vain. Ilya just mows them down and kicks them out of the way, non-violently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he says, hey kids, go ask your mom to give this peasant the magic gifts, the ones, you know the ones, um, and conclude an agreement with them. That, you know, like you do. The magic gifts we have for company. Yeah. So the mother then sent her six sons with all the stolen goods that she had, but they changed into ravens and attacked the hero, because, you know, kids never listen. (laughs) So Ilya grasped his whip and beat them out of the air, and so the mothers and daughters themselves showed up with the magic gifts, because I just can't trust these sons to do a damn thing, right? (laughs) So he, he gets the magic gifts, I guess, but they didn't stop him from just, like, moving on with Solovey, so he takes... The dad, giant, robber, bird, dragon, with him to Kiev after extorting from the family the promise to stop robbing and killing. So he's like, bring me presents. All right. Behave. Bye. I don't even know if he takes the magic gifts. (laughs) Let's say no. Probably not. Doesn't need them. Uh, He does stop by another church on his way to ask a priest for forgiveness for violating his promise to temporarily renounce violence. So that is also a loophole for getting out of these (laughs) vows. 
as it so often is. Just a nice little reset button when, when you need it. Uh, it only took an hour and a half to get to Kiev from there, which is convenient. Uh, and once he was there, he tied both his horse and the giant Solovey to a post in front of the royal stables and entered the palace. It's like separate posts? It's, I think it, I think it's supposed to be the same post, although I definitely read it as separate posts at first. Like, like the giant now has a bridle and is tied by the, the mouth <laughs> to a post. Just second horse. Yeah. Backup yeah. horse. Uh, so he enters the palace and he's welcomed by clean King Vladimir, the Red Sun. Ilya explains who he was, where he'd come from, how he had been bedridden and paralyzed for 30 years. That's news to us. Yep. Perhaps <laughs> not this. to the readers of the poems previous to this. Possibly. Who knows? Uh, but he got better and he decided to serve Holy Russia for the rest of his life without seeking any reward. Ooh. So, I mean, no wonder he Real just patriot. lives to... Yeah, lives to travel now. <laughs> after being stuck in bed for 30 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, after being stuck in the house for one year, I definitely like want to go see stuff, so I get it. <laughs> so he started to tell the story of how he got here, but a suspicious fellow named Alyosha Popovich got tired of the story pretty quickly and interrupted it with it. Excuse me, how did you get here again? Because there's an invincible Nightingale Batman villain blocking the road for (laughs) for 30 years. Conveniently. Same amount of time as the paralysis. Wonder if that's connected. Hmm. Um, Silius is like, yeah, what what this Bogotar says is true, but I did defeat that Nightingale Batman villain, and I did tie him to my horse. He's also tied up outside if you want to go see him. Yeah. It wasn't invincible, it turns out. You just had to try a little harder. He was quite vincible, sir. Yes, very vincible. Which kind of makes Ilya the, like, IT person of this fairy tale world, right? Like, <laughs> Did you turn the robber on and off again? <laughs> like, the problem wasn't unsolvable, just none of you tried that hard. <laughs> Did you try to power cycle the robber? Uh, so all the bogatiers go out to look at Solovey, and Vladimir is, like, pokes him and is like, Hey, I heard you had this, like, real shitty voice. Prove it. Make noise. Make some noise. Do it. <laughs> poke, poke. Yeah. And Solovey's like, I only listened to the peasant who defeated me. Thank you very much. Uh, so Ilya says, all right, make a ruckus. Do it at half strength, though, because no one poke, wants poke. to hear it. Uh, Solovey demands food and drink before he'll make the noises. And then after the meal, he does all the whistle hissing and roaring, but he does it at full strength to everyone's despair. Ilya tells him to stop, but he keeps going. So Ilya kills him. <laughs> Well, I was going to compare him to Michael Winslow from Police Academy, but now I don't want to because he's dead. Michael. <laughs> and I don't wish that upon Michael Michael Winslow, Winslow is dead? No, this oh. man that was just murdered in the oh, story. I was going to say, I, I, thought, I thought Michael Winslow was still okay. Uh, so Vladimir is like, oh, thank you for shutting him up, and makes Ilya Russia's very first bogatir. Uh, he had hardly finished speaking when Solovey's wife showed up unexpectedly with all the kids and also carts full of stolen valuables. So I guess they just kind of followed followed him after Ilya did not take the gifts. They're like, wait, you forgot these. Yeah, they left much later, though, because they had to pack the car up. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you have any kids, much mm-hmm. less... Uh, so many stops. Nine. Everybody was crying. Yeah. And I gotta go to the bathroom. We just went. Well, I didn't go. I told you to try. Well, I didn't have to go. But now I do. Yeah. And and there are nine of them, so it's every, every couple. God damn of... it. 
so that that asshole Alyosha Popovich suggests that uh, Vladimir takes the wealth from these people and ransom for their father's body. Why? I don't. They showed up with a lot of wealth. We got a body they want. So, <laughs> so let's be hostile openly to them. Yeah. Uh, so Ilya ignores. Alyosha and on his Let's go own... ahead and burn this bridge before we even build it. Right. It's a good life philosophy. <laughs> but probably you're gonna burn it anyway. Just start there. Well, on his own authority uh, that he asked from somewhere, he ordered the family to turn straight around with their stolen goods and the body to bury the body and then to bring their children up properly. No more of this murder-stealing thing. Read a book and then read another one. And keep doing that until you are smart. Or old. Whichever comes first. <laughs> whichever happens first. So the family slunk off, and the bogatirs went back to the palace and all made fun of Alyosha Popovich for misjudging their new bogatir. <laughs> the end. Yeah, fuck that guy. Alright, cool. so initial... Imp- impressions and thoughts. Pretty cool guy. Ilya or Alyosha Popovich? Alyosha Popovich. I just want to call him Alyoop. Alyoop, <laughs> even cooler. Um, it doesn't feel like we heard about a person. No? To me. <laughs> Maybe it's just the way that Ilya is described in this story. It just felt like more of a force of nature occurring. Yeah, he's and, just hurricane and not so much like a, Yeah, not so much like a person with goals and motivations. Yeah, it's, his goal was to get to a place to serve for indefinite and with no end desires. So, essentially a hurricane. And faces no trouble in achieving that. Yeah, absolutely not. Is not bothered by literally anything that occurs in the story. Just destroys some trees isn't even slowed down. Right. The one time he's slowed down is when his horse suddenly stops at the very beginning. Yeah. He, Otherwise, it's constant forward momentum. He just keeps going forward. He fells some trees. He mows down some people. He is a hurricane. Uh, I wanted to talk about the internal logic of the story. Especially. Yeah, I wanted to ask you um, what you meant by that. That there's at the uh, beginning. some issues with internal logic. Right, what 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 about this story concerned you? Uh, well, first off, we we did kind of mention this, the whole, like, you make a promise and then it doesn't actually... And then you don't, like... <laughs> don't keep it and then just remake it after you didn't keep it. Right, and then you, you remake it, like, moments before you enter the city that was going to end the promise anyway. <laughs> um, so from, like, an internal logic writing standpoint, you have... You have created a problem and then immediately gotten rid of the problem so that you don't have to work out a clever way to deal with it. So that's that's problematic. Um, but the, the big glaring internal logic problem with me was when the King Vladimir made him the first bogatir. Yeah. Russia's first bogatir. Very first. Never one before. Never one uh, after. When, like, like <laughs> moments before, he called... Alyosha, Alyup, a bogatir. Mm-hmm. And all the bogatirs went out to look at Solovey. Mm-hmm. And then after he was the first bogatir, all the bogatirs go back to the palace and make fun of Alyup for misjudging the new one. Yeah. And also, and also, weren't many of them 
defeated by this robber and his family over these 30 years. And they'd also made a vow at the place where the robbers was kind of hanging out. Yeah. Long before. So. I have a very simple answer, Carmen. Yeah? Time travel. Oh, okay. Yeah, Um, that does make sense. Underappreciated in in folklore (laughs) is, is when clearly time travel is the answer, but they... And, like, so obvious that they don't even say it. They just, like, do a little nod, and you know that that's what that means. They're like, yeah, you're, the audience, we believe our audience is smart enough to figure out the time travel that happened in the story. So I guess that's a good, like, writing tip for all you uh, aspiring novel writers out there. It's like, if you if you make a promise in the first sentence of your book, just break it whenever, and... Time travel will solve it. Yeah, and then just use time travel to solve all the rest of your problems. You're your own grandpa. No worries. I'm very interested in the Nightingale character. Kind of uh, kind of pulled the short straw in the fairy tale casting department. Yeah. Or the draft for the fairy tale teams. How do you mean? Wasted a lot of time. As we have been told, 30 years of doing nothing, lying in wait for God knows what, uh, and then immediately being undone by the first person who shows up after that span of time, uh, and then just being ridiculed for the rest of your existence. Yeah, that's true. That is definitely a short... And, and belittled. <laughs> for sure, a short straw. Like, you, you just ran into a hurricane. Bad luck. Now you're a horse. Deal with it. But, like, I, I want to know a lot more about Nightingale the Robber. How did he become a Batman villain? Why is he lying in wait? What is he lying for? Why is Nightingale his symbol? And why is he a hypocrite about it? Why does he spend all day in a nest waiting for people to come by so that he can whistle them into madness and death when he's got this giant mansion? And Treehouse. a family. Yeah. What's that relationship like? It seems pretty loving. Why the magic gifts? I mean, he's apparently a successful robber. For a time. Yeah. I get kind of a... I just forgot the name of the fellow from Guardians of the Galaxy with the arrow. Hawkeye. The the fellow who whistles. Uh, Bowman. What? There's an arrow? Yeah. He's got the, the thing on his head that glows and he whistles and it makes this like arrow fly around. And he's Mary Poppins, you? I have no idea who you mean. His name starts with a Y, I There's believe. There's a raccoon? Yondu. Yondu. Yeah. I get Yondu vibes from the Nightingale, the robber. <laughs> like, he's got this cool whistling power that makes trees bend over, and blue flowers specifically lose their petals, mm-hmm. um, and drives men to madness and death, and then he takes their stuff. Or at least he used to. He did used to. Now he hangs out in a nest all the time. Uh, presumably in one of those like discount early 90s superhero costumes themed after nightingales ill-fitting yeah kind of tight in a couple spots or like the uh the old the elderly loki from the loki series that kind of <laughs> costume design so yeah i think if i were to fix the story it would be focus on the nightingale and not this hurricane at least um i would flip how much uh, import or screen time is given to either of them. Shift that camera around a little bit. Yeah. Because as as you have been saying, it would be nice to know a lot more about this man 
that we don't know much Spissy about. Boy. <laughs> and uh, we spent a lot of time with the non-character character. <laughs> yeah. But, like, we saw enough of him. Like, we, we have... We right, know that he's we got a it. loving relationship. He's a successful robber. He's got some cool powers. He's got a weird bird obsession. His, and also, he's sassy as fuck. His all, <laughs> uh, all the signs of getting his own spinoff movie. Yeah. Right. Like, he's got he's got that, that good, sassy villain vibes. Especially toward the end when he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking to a king. A king didn't defeat me. <laughs> Talk to the other guy. This motherfucker over here did. Give me dinner. Oh, oh, you want me to make noises at half volume? You want to show me off? All right, I'll make him full volume. Fuck you. Yeah, I love this guy. He's my hero. Fuck this Ilya fellow. Too Sorry, bad he's Russia. Dead. Or is he? Dun dun dun. Maybe. Oh shit! Is he Michael Winslow? To this day, making sound effects so convincingly. This is Michael Win- Michael Winslow's origin story. <laughs> He escaped death in Russia <laughs> to go star in Police Academy. Is he Rasputin? <laughs> Perhaps so. Rasputin survived his assassination, got really good at making sound effects with his mouth. <laughs> got really oh, is good that, at sounding is, like a helicopter. Is that how he survived um, assassination? He just he just made all the sounds like he was dying. He sounded like he was and dying. Like, well, I mean, I I heard I heard the bullets and the. And the poison go glug, 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 and the knife go in. He, he has to be dead. Heard that death rattle. I heard him fall off a cliff. <laughs> and he played the immigrant song with his mouth. <laughs> he went, woo, splat. I heard it. Yeah. We don't even have to go check. Just keep this door closed forever. Well, that feels solved to me. Yep, we fixed it. <laughs> We're so good at this. So practiced. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Kid Chaos, for suggesting the story. Uh, sorry if we shit too much on Hurricane Ilya. <laughs> but Nightingale is way Listen, cooler. They're fine. Obviously, they're the hero of the story, of all of these stories, mm-hmm. because they're this larger-than-life figure. Yeah. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's very hard to connect to the larger-than-life heroes. No emotional feelings for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so thank you for for suggesting the story. Thank you all for listening to it. Uh, thank you to our patrons for supporting the show and for giving us lots of cool, fun things to read about in our Discord. Uh, you too can join our Discord for only a dollar a month, and then you can also share pictures of your pets and various goofums as they come to your mind. Uh, thank you to our top tier patrons, Biblio Princess, Trickery Treats, Heerius, Pink Nectary, Midori, Becca, a friendly lobster, Kelly. Elizabeth's astonishment was beyond expression. She stared, colored, doubted, and was silent. Uh, Katarina, Funky Little Strawberry, Lemur, Spaghetto Drinking Deep with a Trial of Gender Fluids, Caitlin, Danielle, Wyatt, A Moth in a Cult Robe, Olwyn, Queen of Terrible Taste, Allie, Detroit Become Crab, Koba's Cat, Haunted by Smiles, Versus Keeper of Too Many OCs, Pyrus, Nathan the Scott, Alex, Banjo Bug, Dave, Pranking Rat Rivals into Rat Kings, Maya, <laughs> Grey, Goetic Prince of the Arcane, High Liz of Wimbus, Little Smorgasbord, Haley, Dominic, Justin, 
Who am I? 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 Izzy, Heather, High Miali, and the Cult of Cricket. Who the fuck was that? And Jenna. Who knows, man? Maybe we'll get the answer next week. Sorry, I stepped over Jenna, I think. Jenna, thank you. Jenna. Jenna. Jenna! Jenna! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. And everyone. And yes. But mostly and. Jenna. And everyone else. But obviously but all Jenna. Of them equally. And like Jenna. Like our, as our children. And thank you always, Doug. Thank, thank you, you Douglas. Doug. We're about the folklore. That's how it works. This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have story suggestions for us, please send them to wtfolklore at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.